then. We're closing down the this series. We'll be starting a new series next week, five weeks, looking at this whole concept of talking to God, that we have a good old religious word on that called prayer. And, um, and so we're going to be looking at that over the next five weeks, and I, I believe it's going to be really, really good. And, um, but this week we're closing down um, this uh, seventh week in this series called Repeat. And what we've done is I've just looked at the scriptures, the passages of scripture from the Old Testament that get repeated the most in the New Testament. That's all we've done. This this the series that kind of built itself. It was pretty looked at stuff, and I'm all over the map. We're having all sorts of technical fun, and uh, now I thought I was going to get to do the old big ding ding ding. Sorry, it's every everybody under thirty five has no idea. All the old people think it's funny. It's fun. It's a classic scene. Thank you very much, Tom Hanks, in his younger days. Anyways, it was cool. I stepped and it went off. Um, anyways, but this series built, series built itself, and we're closing down with the truth that gets repeated the most. This is the scripture that gets quoted the most out of any scripture in the Old Testament. And God wants life for us. I hope if you walk away with nothing else today that you understand that God is not looking to take anything good away from you at all. At all. And if it is something that God's talking to you, then, then what happens is we can call good what's not good. And, and then we've got to let God re, begin to redefine those things for us. But God only wants good for you. It's the truth. He only wants life. And he has designed us, and he knows that we learn best by repetition. Some of us need more repetition than others, especially me. And my wife understands that. She knows that she hasn't really said anything until she said it three times. And so that's sadly, that's the position I've put her in. And, uh, but God knows because he, he did that for me, so it's okay. She's just acting like God. And uh, bringing out the godliness in my wife. <laughs> the uh, And the truths that God repeats are good indicators to those things that bring us life. And um, some of these things get repeated like we talked about last week because they just don't make sense the first time around. We're like, um, say that again? Because that just didn't jive. And then other things that are, get repeated simply because we've got to have them in our foundation. We have to have these things in the forefront of our mind, or we can begin to drift. There are things that need to come first, and if we, we try to slip them in somewhere else, then things can, can, they won't do what they were designed to do. And this, I believe, is one of those scriptures. Now, I've got a, a you know, Cutie's pregnant with our seventh child, and so we've got kids and you, all of the fun and the mess and the drama that comes with having a house load of kids. And, and um, we're, we're, we don't have the... Uh, we don't always have everything in order, but we try to keep our the dirt level to a, a minimum. And so we do say, you know, hey, wipe your feet before you come in. So uh, a couple of years ago, my uh, youngest son, Carson, was out playing in the backyard. It happened to be one of those times that we got some rain. So I uh, would probably look at a calendar and narrow it down. And, um, and so, uh, but uh, anyways, he'd had some mud on his feet, and he's playing in the backyard. And for whatever reason... The mat at the back door was missing. 
So he opens the back door, comes in through the laundry area, goes through the kitchen, goes through the dining room, goes through the living room, and we're sitting in the we're sitting in the living room. He throws open the front door, goes to the mat, <laughs> comes back in and shuts the door. Now, how, how do you get on to him for that? You're like, well, thanks. But but there's, there's an order to some things. Some things, that, that's good, but it needs to go in the right place or it doesn't accomplish what it was supposed to accomplish. And this is one of those truths that I think we, we, can, sometimes, we can sometimes let it slide and we can sometimes let it, let it get placed and we, and we get things out of order and we try to bring it back in at another spot. But if we'll keep this at the forefront of our mind, I really think it can settle a whole lot of things for us. And what we're going to be just looking at today is Psalms 110.1. says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Like, oh yeah, well, that's obvious that that's got to be thought about first. Well, yeah, of course. Now listen to me, track with me here. There are some important things. This one is straight up quoted nine times. Straight up quoted nine times. There's only seven that are quoted four or more. And in one chunk where you take A or B of that, it's, you can make it where it's, it's been quoted like 24 times. I mean, it just is referenced over and over and over again. But this is so vital, and we're going to build on why we need to have this at the forefront of our mind. One of the first things is, is this truth gets repeated so that we never, ever, ever forget that Jesus both God and man is at the right hand of God. We have to have both of those pieces, both of those pieces in mind because we will tend to drift towards one or the other. We tend to be like those old old timey cars at Six Flags. You ever drive those? And you get in those things and thank goodness because their steering is the most unresponsive steering on the planet and they have that little thing in the middle, that little guide. And you go, and the kids love it. And they'll drive, and kids drive, and they turn like this. And it works there because there's a thing that you just hit, and you just, and it keeps taking you down the road. And then you go to the other direction, and it doesn't let you go that far. This is one of those things that we will have, you and I, we will have a Jesus the man turning tendency or we will have Jesus God turning tendency and if we don't have a good balance on both then we will tend to not get the fullness of the relationship that God meant and Jesus counteracted it every time it was confronted let's look at this Matthew 22 verses 41 through 46 and the Pharisees these were the his religious opponents okay Jesus is trying to connect God and man and these guys this has been their business So he's like honing in on their business, and they don't like it. And so he's about to disrupt everything. And they understand it, they intuitively know it, and they don't like it, and they've been attacking him. And so they've been trying to catch him in his words. And while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, and he says, what do you think about the Christ? Which is who he was, and who their discussion is, who if Jesus was him or not. Whose son is he? Whose son is he? Because there were all these prophetic scriptures. The, the, the people of Israel were looking for Messiah. They were looking for Christ to show up. And they were understood, they thought, on who he was going to be and what his pedigree was going to be. And man, they answered right off the bat, the son of David. 
they replied. And then he begins to immediately attack that challenge of this humanly, pure, earthly lineage of this concept of the Messiah being merely a man. And he said to them, how then is it that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Now, how can it merely be David's son if David references him as Lord? And they don't know what to do with it. It says no one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. They just, hmm, that's, well, yeah. What do we do with that? We, we, we don't know what to do with that one. So we'll just ignore it. Matthew covers this interaction. Mark covers this interaction. Luke covers this interaction. This is a very important one. Not all the Gospels cover all of them, every interaction. But <clears throat> these three all cover it. But then we have it that the Pharisees, in front of everybody, they shut up. But now they've got their moment. We catch it again in Mark's version, in Mark's Gospel, in Mark 14. And this is right before the crucifixion, because Mark only goes through 16. Okay? And they have him, and they, they have been uh, testing Jesus, and they've been questioning him, and they, this is, they, they have been attacking him, and they've been just accusing him over and over and over again, and he hasn't said a word. Okay? It says, but Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. And again, the high priest asked him. And they're bringing this thing up to Christ and sonship. Because he had already stumped them in front of everybody and they just shut up. Well, now they've got him in a private room. Nobody's around. Now they're going to get back to business. This question comes back up again. Are you the Christ? Because they understood where he was going. The son of the blessed one. Are you the Christ? the Son of God, you, you built your case for that. Is that what you are saying? And Jesus says, I am, said Jesus. And you will see what? The Son of Man. They go to the God part. He pulls in the man part. Initially, they went to the man part. He pulled in the God part. Whichever one somebody tried to, to pull, Jesus went to the other side. We, it is both. It is both. It is both. It is so important for us to understand that so that because what we'll end up doing is we'll end up sitting there and saying, Jesus is this is this Godhead part that we can never, ever, ever, ever live up to when he is our example. That's what God is. He is who God and through the work of the Holy Spirit is working us into. He is he is changing us into the image of the firstborn. That is what the Holy Spirit is working. We can begin to look to Jesus and we can understand where God is taking us as individuals. What the work of the Holy Spirit is doing. And if we do that, then we'll go, oh wow, there's Jesus and then there's just me. And you'll never let the Holy Spirit really take you on that next step. But then if you begin to say, oh, well, he's just a man. Well, then we get that buddy thing. Then we get that spirit of familiarity thing. Then you begin to get this and we forget that he was God in the flesh. We begin to do it. And so we have to have both. We absolutely have to have both or we will end up missing out on the fullness of who our Savior is. The foundation, the foundation of our relationship with God is recognizing who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God, born of a virgin, 
as God presented in <clears throat> earthly man form. And that he physically died as a man so that he could take care of men's punishment. It is so vital that we understand that. It is so important. See, 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 6 says, through 6 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. Who will have all men to be saved. Is he, is he cherry-picking people? Is he just grabbing, a, there's a few, and oh, I hope he picks me. I hope I am one of the elect. That's a misunderstanding of that word. For all who have come to the, <clears throat> all, he, he will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For God is one, and there's one mediator of God and of, man, of men, the man. Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be <coughs> testified in due time. Wow, he is for all men. This shows that it's not a limited atonement. It is a complete, full, all humanity atonement. See, this truth is also repeated so that we never forget that through Jesus, we have been given a secure place of favor and acceptance. That he is sitting at the right hand Sitting at the right hand of God. The right hand you look at, if, if we were Jewish, that we'd that automatically just, whoo, we'd totally understand. So we've got to explain it because we don't understand. Okay? But we, ha we have phrases like this. Oh, man, that, that, that person, man, they're, they're my right hand. I mean, they're, they're just they're so valuable to me. And so, and then but we, we look at it scripturally. Colossians 3.1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand hand of God at the right hand of God Ephesians 2 6 says God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works, so that no one can boast we are seated in heavenly places god needing to connect we already said there's one mediator and jesus is the one we see god at the right hand is jesus who's then at jesus's right hand that place of favor that place of acceptance you are you're absolutely right joe it's you and it's me and it's anyone who will accept it it's anyone who will embrace it. He's a mediator for all men, for all ways. And it is a place of favor and of permanent. We're already, it's talking about us already being seated in heavenly places with Christ. Isn't that awesome that it's not, we're not hoping to be seated in heavenly places? Man, I'm going to live my life just right. I'm going to do it. And hopefully when it's all said and done and I whoop, have my last sleep and I wake up on the other side, then I'm really hoping it all adds up to, to heaven. We're seated there already. Already in Christ. It is a gorgeous, beautiful thing. And I want us to look at this. Because immediately, immediately as a preacher, I'm just going to admit, I, I kind of saw how this was playing out in my mind. And I was really liking it. I was excited about it. Okay? Because look at this. This makes sense. Right? We're at, God's at, I mean, Jesus is at the right hand of God. And this is my, I know I'm going to your left to work with me. I'm, this is my right hand. And so we have God. 
then Jesus here, extending this place of favor, we are at the right hand of God. We have our right hand free to then reach out to each other. Doesn't that just sound awesome? It does. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> Aren't y'all glad? You're, you're, I'm glad that we hold this to the word and we don't just preach good ideas. Because that's not it. Because then that makes us the mediator between Jesus and, and man, and that's not the case. But look at this. I want us to see this. Let's look at Psalm 73. And I broke it up into two pieces so we don't get ahead of ourselves. Okay? Psalm 73, 21. We're going to look where our right hand is. Okay? When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered. Woo, this is just getting off to a good start, isn't it? When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. And I was a brute beast before you. I mean, just how disconnected, angry, upset, confused, in turmoil is the, is the psalmist talking here. When I was that way, but let's look at verse 23. Yet, <laughs> I'm so glad for the yet. Yet, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Lauren, come here. If I've greeted you and I've embraced you, I've welcomed you as a friend, I've extended my right hand. What have you extended? Your right hand. This is the picture of our relationship with God. It is it. It is a face-to-face. I'm connected. I've placed my favor towards you, and you've placed your favor back to me. That is us. And we can never, ever ever forget that he is seated at the right hand of god and we extend our place of favor to him we he says i've chosen you and we say i choose you right back and we are forever his and he is forever ours and don't you ever forget that the enemy will want to come in and try to make it about some sort of works and now you extend your right hand oh quit that Why why do we go there why did i go there because then it creates this pressure on us to be in, to be something Jesus alone can be. Can I be an expression of love for Jesus to somebody else? Yes, but I can't be Jesus. I'm part of the body of Christ, but it is Him manifesting. It is Him, it is Him, it is Him. Look at verse 24. You guide me. My heart was grieved, my spirit embittered. I was senseless, I was ignorant, I was a brute beast before you. I'm all of this, and you take me by my right hand. Ah! You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you take me into glory. Ah, Who have I in heaven but you? Who have I in heaven but you? God, who? Who have I in heaven but you? And on earth, there's nothing I desire. If I'm extended like this, there can be all other things for me to look at. But if I'm extended like this, it's Him before me and Him before me alone. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's what He wants to be for you. That's what He wants to be for all of us. We have to remember that. This truth also gets repeated so that we never forget that Jesus' work is completed. 
that it is done. It is absolutely finished. See, Jesus did not sit down to take a break. Woo, the cross was hard. All right, Dad, give me, give me a minute. I want to sit down here. No, he sat down because it was done. He sat down because it was finished. And when he said it's finished, it was finished. It's not hyperbole. It's, it wasn't just this hopeful expression. It was done. It was done. See, I love Mark. He's the headlines kind of guy. If you want to just get the, the guts, the nuts and bolts of the gospel, read Mark. Because, I mean, he's just an action guy. 16 chapters, Matthew, 28 chapters, Mark's 16 chapters. Gets the same story in. Mark 16, 19, the last verse of Mark's gospel. The thing he wanted for his readers, the last thing he wanted them to remember was this. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. He tells the story of the life and the completed work of Jesus. And he says, the last thing I want you to remember is he is seated at the right hand of God. It is done. He's in the place of favor. He's the one. He's the one. Hebrews 1.3 says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word after he provided purification for sins. But we just celebrated when we did communion that he did it once for all. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I'm glad he's seated. That means it's done. He didn't go. He didn't have to get up and go, man, that Clark. Brandon, quit it. I don't get a break. I go to sit down. You did it again. You weren't very nice to your wife. Now I've got to purify you again. I'm trying to sit at the right hand of my father. Come on, Clark. He's not doing that. He's seated. He's seated. And why does he stay seated? Does he stay seated because Brandon never does a dumb thing again ever? No. It's because he goes, whew, that was done. I'm glad I took care of all that. That was going to wear me out. Ooh, that's a good plan. And I know you. You're no different. Don't be looking at me like that. Now the preacher needs Jesus. He does need Jesus. Well, so do you. He sat down. Hebrews 10, 12. But when this Jesus, when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice... For sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. We just read that in our communion time. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Every enemy, every enemy to the knowledge of God is being crushed and being pressed down. I know you can. we can get all worked up in our Christendom and go, oh, it's getting so dark, we're losing. No, we're not losing, we're winning. We're winning. It's winning. Now I lost my spot. Because one sacrifice, by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever. Look at this. Listen to this. This is going to give you freedom like crazy. By one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. There is a difference between being perfect, heaven ready, and holy. According to this, we're being made holy. 
what is holy. Everything reflecting exactly the way it should the kingdom of God. Or my life, is everything reflected exactly the way it should in all my decisions and my responses and all those things? No. But am I perfect? Heaven ready? Yes. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's still growing me up and he's still growing you up. But thank goodness it's not so that we can... So that we better, we better get it, our, the clock is ticking and you better hope you cross that holiness place, that perfection, that never messing up before your clock runs out. No, it's done. It's done. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. He's speaking directly to our hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds this. Their sin, just in case we were confused because he brought the word holiness up. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. It's completed. It's done. Please understand that. Please understand that. When we talk about let's love each other more, it's not so that we can try to earn our place into heaven. It's because, guess what? We've received love. Let's give it. It's just the natural response. Let's just do that. Hebrews 12.2 close with this let's fix our eyes on jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the father for the joy that was set before him you and i reconnected with God our Father. He endured it and then sat down because it's done. It's done. You and I are made right with God. See, Jesus, God and man, has made a place of acceptance with God and it is absolutely, completely completed. And we grow from there. We grow from there. That's that's where we start. That's where the, 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 the wiping your feet off of the, all of that, that's dealt with. We come in, we begin this process. We come into the kingdom of God and it's already done. It's already wiped off. It's already done. We're, that's not hanging on us anymore. We're not stomping around in here trying to get free from that stuff so we can be accepted by God. No, we are free. And we are free. These truths are like the highway signs that get repeated every few miles to keep us moving forward with Him. This gets repeated more than anything else because we have to keep it on our mind more than anything else. This was not something that the New Testament writers made up. This is Old Testament stuff. And it gets repeated over and over again because this was prophesying that this was the way it was going to be. That this was going to be dealt with. He's going to sit at the right hand of God. We're going to have fellowship with Him. And that's what this is about. This moment right here. I want to create a quiet moment. And I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to turn over a new leaf and live better and be nicer or any of that junk. I'm sorry. Our attempts. The Bible says that our attempts at righteousness are as filthy rags. And you don't want me to describe that. But it ain't pretty. So I'm not saying let's do that. Let's do more filthy rags. 
I'm saying let's have a relationship with God and let's let him change us. Let's let him grow us. And I want to create a quiet moment. That's the only thing I'm challenging right here. Is if you're here this this morning and you say, you know what? I've heard Christianity put about being nicer or about quitting to do bad things. But I've never heard it that it's simply about that God loved me so much that he let us, that he let his son die in my place. And he completely completed everything for me to have a relationship with God. And I have to accept it and believe it and then allow him to transform me. I've not heard it that way. I want that. I want that. I don't want the religious junk. I want a relationship with God. And if that's you, then I want you to just raise your hand and we want to pray with you. 